0: Hey, welcome or welcome back to the Uncomfortable is Okay podcast. I'm your host Chris Desmond. This is the show where we help you get better at doing hard things. Now, I know that I did promise that we'd be back to the regular interview-based episodes this week, but unfortunately, the conversation that I had lined up on the weekend fell through. Hopefully, we'll be able to have that one in the coming weeks. It was just internet problems and then timing problems, unfortunately. So, We've missed out with that one. I do have a couple of conversations lined up with people. I won't promise this week, but fingers crossed, there will be a interview-based episode for you all next week. But what I thought I would do instead for today is regular listeners of the show will know that over the last couple of months, I've been really trying to unpack a lot of the intellectual property and a lot of the ideas that all of my guests have brought to the table all the research that I've been doing around getting uncomfortable, working on your mental fitness, becoming resilient and try and figure out how to create something practically that people are going to find useful and deep within some of that work at the moment which is cool and it's exciting and it's it's really fascinating to see stuff come into existence. So what I thought I would do is I, I thought I would have a chat around one of the things, probably the big thing that I'm working on at the moment. And the big thing that I'm working on at the moment is a workshop. And to start with, it, it's aimed at allied health professionals, so clinicians, so physiotherapists, podiatrists, occupational therapists, the list goes on, could rattle off a whole lot more but we'd be here for hours and also I'm, I'm mind blanking a little bit, aimed towards allied health clinicians to help them build resilience in their patients, so in the clients that are coming to see them because if we're trying to help someone we obviously want them to be more resilient because they're going to be able to persevere better Or persevere more with the fantastic advice that we give them and if they persevere more then they're going to get better outcomes at the end if you're not an allied health professional don't tune out just yet these these concepts um, in the way that I'm going to talk about them today they're generic you can apply them to if you're a, a leader or a manager you can apply these concepts in building resilience for your staff. If you're a personal trainer, you can build resilience in the clients that are coming to see you. If you're a parent, you can apply these concepts to your children and help them help them become more resilient. So whatever whatever facet of life you're into, there's a way to apply these concepts help those around you become more resilient, or you could even think about it as coaching yourself to become more resilient. I look at these concepts myself, and I do, I kind of self-coach myself sometimes, and when I think about these concepts, then I'm like, oh actually, I need to be more resilient, and for those of you who have been tuning in for the last couple of weeks, you'll know that my resilience has been tested, so coming back to these concepts for me has been really valuable. So there's six different concepts that I think are integral to building resilience in your patients, but also building resilience in those around you and, and building resilience in yourself. And we'll chat through them now. So the first one is to empower hope. And to build resilience in someone else, you need to create a sense of hope because if someone has no hope that they're going to get through this challenging time or this injury or whatever it is, then they're going to give up. And to help someone build resilience or to help yourself build resilience, you need to offer a sense of hope that... There's a possibility that things are going to turn out for the best or that things are going to turn out the way that you want them to or some variation of that. So hope is hope is kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel. It gives you something to head towards and it keeps you going because you want to get out of that tunnel. So creating a, creating a sense of hope in others, creating a sense of hope in yourself really helps build resilience. There's some interesting research out there um, in kind of the health psychology sphere that optimism and, and positive, in parentheses, emotional states are, are protective of your me- mental health. And there's indications that they're also protective of your physical health, slowing disease process and speeding recovery. So, hope is integral to that, is creating a sense of hope it creates optimism, it creates positivity. Um, makes your mental health more robust and you more resilient and one of the interesting things that I was thinking about when I was I was thinking about hope um, and and who displays it I just kept coming back to Tenzing Norgay and Ed Hillary who climbed Mount Everest or climbed Sagamatha those two guys and the support crew around them as well just had to have had extreme, extreme amounts of hope that they could get to the top to keep them pushing for so long in massively challenging circumstances. So that's the first one. Empowering hope is is integral, building resilience in, in others and also in yourself. Now the second is... When you, when you try to foster resilience in someone else or in yourself, you need to create a sense of safety. Because to assist someone in becoming more able to deal with and recover from challenging situations, you do need to focus on making that person feel safe. Because if they feel safe, they're better able to deal with challenge because they have less fear. And if a person has less fear, then they're going to be more open to receiving and processing information so that they, they can logically reason through that information. And their performance improves because they're less overwhelmed. So the safer you are, the more, the more confident you are to attempt something hard. And when you create safety for someone, the research shows that if you create a sense of, of psychological safety, It allows for degrees of moderate risk taking and we do need to be able to take some risks when we're when we're working through challenge that we can't stay within our comfort zone to to get through this challenge usually so that psychological safety allows us to take moderate risks without having the fear associated with them and Psychological safety is, it's really vital to success in uncertain environments and challenges are, are really, they're inherently uncertain for us. We, we tend to not to have been in them before, otherwise they're comfortable and in uncertain environments, brains can often, they can associate a sense of being unsafe with a life or death threat. Especially in someone who's injured, who already has their fight or flight response, it's already activated, it's already already going crazy. The amygdala, the alarm bell in the brain, just ignites the fight or flight response and hijacks your higher brain centre. So it creates an act first, think later brain structure, shuts down your perspective, shuts down your analytical reasoning. And... If someone doesn't feel safe, they're going to lash out at you for trying to help them or they're going to pull back and try and pull away. So you're not going to be able to help someone if you don't let them feel safe. So that's the, that's the second one. To foster resilience in someone else, you need to create a sense of safety. The third point, the th- third focus is if you can reduce overwhelm, You're going to increase resilience and lead to better outcomes. This is a nice carry on from safety because if we think about a patient, when they're in pain, it can push them past their capacity to cope with life. They become overwhelmed, and as a result, their ability to function productively across all areas of their life decreases. You'll see this in people at work as well, as if they become overwhelmed, then performance across the board starts to fail. Reducing the level of overwhelm increases the ability to be productive and thus the ability to perform the appropriate rehabilitation that we're targeting or the appropriate help that you're looking to give someone or yourself and basically if you can reduce overwhelm for someone it's like taking some weights off the bar to allow that person to lift it more easily. And for those of you who have been listening to the, to the podcast for a while, you'll know that I love the, uh, the optimal anxiety curve or the Yerkes-Dodson curve where performance increases for a certain amount of anxiety and then once you hit that tipping point, you, you come over into overwhelm, performance rapidly decreases. So if we can reduce the overwhelm, we're going to shift that curve back to the left which will allow performance to increase across all aspects of their life or your life if you're coaching yourself and having a bit of a think about uh, reducing overwhelm one of the stories that comes to mind for me on that is is Sir John Kerwin most Kiwis will be very familiar with sir john people that don't live in new zealand rugby playing nations might have also heard of sir john kirwan john kirwan was an all black john kirwan is a is a mental health advocate who has struggled with depression and anxiety and uh, has written an amazing book called all blacks don't cry and i'm just i'm just reminded of all the work that he puts in into his daily and his weekly and his monthly and his yearly life to reduce that sense of overwhelm for himself so that he keeps himself mentally healthy so he doesn't become overwhelmed and he can perform better. So the third point is reducing overwhelm increases resilience and leads to better outcomes. The fourth point is building motivation. So understanding your patient's motivations, understanding your staff motivations, understanding your, your own motivations and incorporating them into the rehab process or the coaching process or the training process increases resilience. So if we think about it in a patient context, fully understanding a patient's motivations or the reasons behind their goals is integral for building resilience if we can fully understand a patient's motivations then we can tailor a program using those motivations and working on on those motivations also helps the patient understand their own motivations or your staff member or the person that you're coaching helps them understand their own motivations and when they have a clearer understanding of their motivation it increases their persistence and performance with the rehab program or how you're trying to help that person so spending some time really trying to build motivation and understand motivation the way that I think about it is is if you just give people generic advice it's like throwing a piece of kindling on the fire it'll burn hot and bright for a short amount of time if you can just kind of toss a little bit of YouTube motivation to them before it's gone, but if you can fully understand someone's motivation and use them to help shape a plan, it's like putting an old real gnarly bit of timber on the fire. It's going to burn low and it's going to burn hot for a really long period of time. Overall producing much more heat, producing a much better outcome in the long run. So it's not just about understanding someone's goals when you're building motivation it's it's understanding why those goals are important as well it's thinking okay this person wants to get back to running okay why do they want to get back to running is it because they love running or is it because running they go running every week with their daughter and have a conversation for an hour is that what the is that their main driver behind getting back to to running and for people that really understand motivation across all aspects of the intrinsic extrinsic and, and social motivations they display a lot higher level of persistence performance and productivity than people who don't have that same understanding or or just understand one area so the fourth point about building resilience is Building motivation. Now, the fifth point is to build resilience in someone else or in yourself, you need to create support for them implementing the advice that you give them. And again, the patient context the patients who have low levels of resilience are easily overwhelmed. If you don't focus on how to implement the advice that you give someone, then really they're just going to get overwhelmed and they're not going to complete it, they're not going to perform it. However, if you create a plan with them about when and how they're going to implement the advice that you give them, they're much, much, much more likely to do so. And if they can implement the advice that you give them or if you can implement the advice that you give yourself, it's really going to help you recover or get through this challenging situation that you find yourself in. So one way of thinking about it is with implementation and lack of, uh, of implementation advice. So it's like trying to get to the other side of a swamp. If you say to someone, cool, go to the other side of the swamp, I'll meet you there. Some people are going to be able to do it by themselves. But a lot of people are going to step into a hole along the way. Um, they'll wander off the track and some are going to get sucked down never to be seen again. But getting to the other side of the swamp is much easier and much more achievable if you've got a map that guides you each step of the way. And that's what supporting implementation is for people when they're trying to build resilience, when you're trying to get them through this challenging situation. My habit guru, James Clear, who I did a podcast with a while back actually, almost a year ago, he quotes uh, a study by a habit researcher called Lally and in it she mentions that it takes anywhere from 18 to 254 days for people to form a new habit so when we're giving them when we're giving people advice or when we're giving ourselves advice why do we why do we automatically assume it's it's easy for someone to implement it because basically we're starting a new habit with them why should it not be difficult for this person that we're giving the advice to, to implement it and perform the new task that we're giving giving them. Shouldn't we be the ones to support them in doing that? So as as clinicians, as managers, as parents, as coaches for ourselves, how can we help someone implement the amazing advice that we give them? And it's kind of like, People that set New Year's resolutions, and I'm sure that we've all done this in the past, As you set a New Year's resolution and it falls by the wayside after a few weeks because you've said, "Ah, oh, I want to do this, and you get all excited about it and you do it for a little while and then it goes by the wayside. But some of you also might have set a New Year's resolution and then you might have created a plan about how you're going to implement the steps to, to generate that resolution. And those, those times that you set the resolution and you generate a plan and then you follow along with the plan, more or less, you're much more likely to get to the other side of that challenge. You're much more likely to build resilience in yourself, create a new habit. So fifth point is support implementation. Now the sixth point, And... Probably the most important point, I think, out of all of these is when we deploy empathy, it helps build resilience in others. So if we're empathetic to someone, it builds resilience in them. If we're empathetic towards ourselves, it builds resilience in ourselves. So if we can deploy empathy to someone else, it helps them feel understood. That person feels like we're like them and they feel more supported to get through this challenging time, with that extra support, they become more resilient. So really it's like being empathetic is like going out and walking the journey with someone, rather than just sitting back and giving them directions. And there's a lot of interesting work around, around empathy, and actually using empathy from a, from a tactical perspective. Ideally, you really, you do kind of want to care about someone and care about the journey that they're going on and the, the outcome that they're going to get, but with tactical empathy, having the ability to understand that people have different beliefs and come from different backgrounds to ourselves, and being able to adopt that person's perspective and see the problems from their perspective has a really pragmatic value, because if we want to get our patient or our kid or our staff member to, to do something, then we need to be able to see the world as they see it, so that we can frame what needs to happen from, from their point of view. So, as you guys know, recently last week I was in hospital getting a, a few bits of metal taken out of my, my legs, and thankfully I I didn't have this happen to me. It's probably a nice story to, to think about empathy, that if you've got a nurse that comes into your room when you're feeling sore, when you're feeling a bit unwell, and just starts ordering you about, imagine kind of one of these one of these old school matrons who just gets you up, moves you around, doesn't really give a shit about how you're feeling or, or what state you're in, just need, wants to get things done. How happy are you to do this? How how likely are you to to go along with? what you're being asked to do. And then alternately, imagine imagine a nurse who comes into your room who who asks you how you are, who says, "Yeah, I I understand it's it is really really sore. I'm I'm not surprised that you're that you're feeling uncomfortable with this. But what I'd really like to to be able to do is to is to just start to get you moving because we know that when when we get you moving, your recovery Happens a lot faster, and I and I know that you're going to be sore. But I see a lot of people do this every day, and I know that you can do it. But we can we'll go at your own pace, and and keep letting me know how you how you're feeling, what's going on for you with this. Which person are you more likely to want to to do things for is it the first one that just comes in there and wants to get things done or is it the second one who who approaches things a little bit more empathetically and makes you feel like like they understand you and and understand your problems so that's the sixth point is deploy empathy to help people build resilience so again running through them the six points to help people build resilience you need to empower hope. You need to create safety. You need to reduce overwhelm. You need to build motivation. You need to support implementation. And you need to deploy empathy. So for the people in New Zealand, I'm gonna be running some of these workshops over the coming months. Hopefully the first one is gonna be teed up in Wellington for September. I'll post links out when it's live. We're gonna kick that off. and. As I said, the focus is mostly for people from an allied health perspective, but these concepts are universal. Uh, the content will be, will be focused towards allied health clinicians. But in saying that, if your organisation or if you personally want me to run a workshop or do some coaching with you or your staff, I'm, I'm very happy to, to have a conversation around what that might look like and, and how that might work for your organization from a practical point of view of how do you work these concepts into your to your day-to-day life into your day-to-day practice so reach out send me a message on on the social platforms flick me an email uncomfortable is okay at gmail.com if you want to discuss otherwise if you are an allied health clinician first workshop is going to be in wellington and then hopefully a whole lot of other places around the country again if you want me to come and, and run a workshop where you are Send me an email, okay at gmail.com. We can try and tee something up there. Also for the month of August, I'm opening up some half hour slots to do just some complimentary coaching with people that listen to the podcast as well. So... If you want to grab a, a half an hour slot to do some coaching with me around building resilience, mental fitness, challenge that, that you've got on or or looking to strategically identify a challenge that you want to take on, then send me an email, uncomfortableisok at gmail.com and we'll, we'll book in a time to have a chat with you. Really looking forward to having a conversation with the people that have already hit me up about this. As I said at the start, Fingers crossed, we have a interview based episode for you next week. I got a couple of conversations booked in this week, so there should be one there for you, but no promises. Thank you guys for listening over the last month, while it basically just has been me having having chats with you, having chats with this, this microphone flashing blue in front of my eyes. Thank you, Jylan for editing this and putting the stream of consciousness into uh, something coherent for people to listen to thank you to my brother jeremy desmond for the amazing theme music thank you as always for getting uncomfortable with me this week i'll see you all again on friday